Hello, that's my best D House impression. Hello, and welcome to The Road to Nowhere, a new or not so new Marvel Champions LCG podcast. I can promise you, if you decide to join us on this journey, that will take you absolutely nowhere. And that's a podcast guarantee. This week, we do not have D House with us today because he is feeling under the weather, but we do have a very special guest, and it is the Solo Champions League League Commissioner, Innsmouth Bear. How are you doing? I am doing great and really happy to be here. I'm glad that you guys kept that 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 new tagline on just long enough for me to sneak in at the end here. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that would be a real shame, right? Yeah. <laughs> All right, so we the, the big plan today is we are going to touch on a variety of things related to the league. We'll kind of look maybe at how we got to where on earth we are, look a little bit back on season 10, look forward to season 11. Uh, I don't know anything else that isn't covered by those three categories. Uh, well, I'm sure some surprises will pop up. Okay. Okay. I love it. I love it. Do you want, maybe, maybe we'll start with the kind of big picture history of the league. How on earth did this league come about? I, I personally encountered it, I think on board game geek uh, is how I ended up over here. Yeah. Did you jump on season two? Is that correct? Three, maybe. Season three. Okay, yeah. Season two and three is where a lot of the, the older people kind of came on. There's still a few people from season one, but two and three are where a lot of the like the longtime leaguers are from. Right. Uh, the league kind of started as a pandemic project. I joined in a, an existing uh, Marvel Champions League, and I really enjoyed it. So much so that I started a, a, a league using the DC deck building game called the Solo Crisis League. I was like, oh, cool. We can like cross promote it and stuff like that. Um, unfortunately, the person who started that league kind of fell off the map and there was like a, a like a gap in my time as well. Where I was like, oh man, I really missed this. I really want to, I really wanted to do something like this. So I tried reaching out to the original guy and, uh, never got anything back, but there was enough interest in the community when I asked that I decided, you know what, I'll start it myself and just try and see, you know, what I can do with it. Um, and it started just like that. Just trying to use the core set to the, uh, to the, trying to use just the core set to make it work. Um, the idea being that, and I've tried to keep this throughout the history of the league, to, to not really exclude anyone, to have all options available to anyone at all times, um, so that if you don't have every single hero or every single um, scenario pack, there's still a significant chunk of the league, league you can play in, and that's something I've kept going forward. The next thing to figure out from there was, you know, how do we rank this? People want to be scored. That's the kind of the purpose of a league. And there's always the idea that people early on wanted to be like, if you win a game, you get 100 points, if you're looking at a point scale. And it, it, what would happen in that scenario is you get like, you know, 15, 20, 25 people with a score of 100, and then a bunch of people at like 67 and 33, right? <laughs> so there, there, I didn't see a lot of value in that. So I, I just asked myself, how do we ask ourselves how well we won versus how poorly we lost? So I came up with these like little scoring factors, like your scheme score, your hero score, things based on like your hero HP, the threat in the main scheme. If you did happen to lose, how far down did you get the villain? All these things kind of came together to make what we call a um, approval rating within the league, within the league's fiction. It's kind of like the the how the how the local community sees your hero's performance. 
I think one thing that's interesting to interesting to note is that you know what we see in the Sinister Motives expansion, and I'm not you know no no real spoilers for people who haven't had a chance to engage with it, but they do they do have a system that gives you points based on how well you've done. It's not as fine-grained as what you use, but it's still mostly in the same spirit, right? You know, did, did you manage to keep the, the main scheme down at zero? What, what, what was everybody's health and, and those types of things? So you're, you know, you're seeing your intuition for how to score it is also showing up in other places. Yeah, that was a really, I don't know what the right word, I don't want to say rewarding, but it was really like a validating thing to see happen. Like, okay, there is there is like an official interest in this sort of thing. It wasn't just like this thing I came up with to try and make it more interesting for people. Like they're thinking about this as well. And that was a really cool development. I thought. Well, and I also participate in the, in the scheme league that banana crapshoot runs. I participate in, in it somewhat frequently and, you know, he's often also used somewhat similar schemes as well. So, you know, lots of, lots of people are kind of trying to figure out how to twist those knobs to, to make something that, actually provides some sort of ranking and not just like you said, you know, three or four bins that everybody falls into. Yeah, exactly. And and it, I think it brings a lot of innovation to how people approach the game because it's, you're not just shooting for one thing. You're shooting for like four different things. You know, if you're thinking about hero score and your uh, scheme score and all that stuff and uh, how do you balance all those things? It, it really makes some really innovative solutions. Well, and as we've discussed on the podcast, you know, it also really corrupts your perspective on how to play the game just in a regular situation. <laughs> oh, man, that happens to me every time. I can't play with like non-league members. I've tried and I'm like, wait, wait. Uh, well, I guess we could just win now, couldn't we? <laughs> Probably could just win. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay, sorry. Yeah, keep, keep on going. I, 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 I jumped in, but I, uh, it was just one of those observations I've had the regarding kind of some of these similarities. Absolutely, man. No problem. So from there, it was just about growing the community. I, I do pretty active posts. I don't post like weekly, but what I do is I post everywhere I can think of at the beginning of a season. So we get a bunch of new people. You'll see that at the beginning of a season, just like a wave of people will just come in and they'll have a bunch of questions and there's all the similar ones, but the community has grown to such a size that if I'm not available, someone's there to answer, which is always really cool to see. And besides the league growing, I to not just maintain those numbers, but keep the interest in the number of people we've gained, I, I innovate in the league constantly, right? Uh, we see things like flights added early on. Uh, we see things like, most recently, the... Um, oh, wow, how's the name escaping me right now? <laughs> alliances. Yeah. Uh, alliances have been the big thing of the past season, and that really lit a spark for some people. It's like a new way of seeing it. And I'm sure we'll talk more about that later. But it's just those little things that have really um, made the league more unique and have grown its potential like each new season. I, I really put a lot of effort into that. So like when you see alliances come up, as last season was an intro when it was introduced last season, I was thinking about that back in January. Right. That's how much thought goes into how much planning goes into it to like, how are we going to implement this? What are the answers to the questions before they get asked? Stuff like that. And then, as you know, as a supporter of the league, I go to that community and I say, hey, guys, this is what I'm thinking. What do you think? And then we get even more feedback there before bringing it out to the larger community. And that process has worked really well for me so far. We know this from almost all aspects of our lives. You know, when you when you have an idea and you're actually going to take it to a larger audience, you need to take it to some people that are familiar to try to break it before actually giving it to everybody. 
Absolutely. And it's really great to have that group of people to rely on when I have those questions. One other thing I was I was just thinking about from the previous point you were making when the, the new folks show up on, on the server, I, I've definitely noticed since, you know, like I mentioned, I think I joined in season three, um, there's definitely community ambassadors that are, are very welcoming and really take the time and care to answer the questions in a way that's not flippant. And, you know, really just kind of communicates like, hey, that's a perfectly reasonable question as a new person. You know, here's here's the answer. And I, I love that. I love that you've been able to cultivate that sort of a community and that we have these kind of wonderful people in the community that are taking on that role. Yeah, I'm really honored every time I see that because I, I am just one person running this. So it, it can be a lot to try and manage it. Like the numbers we have are, are way higher than I thought they would be when I started. So yeah. it's really humbling to see that. It's really humbling to see that happening. And I do my best to like build resources that they can direct people to, right? Like the FAQ page on the website and different sections within uh, the league's discord so that they have something they can lean on if they don't know the answer. Right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. And we, we do see people come in and they, you know, they get oriented pretty, pretty quickly, it seems. And, you know, they have a couple quick follow up questions and, and it, it seems to go go pretty well, honestly. So, yeah, I, I think I think you've done a great job. And I think whatever structure that you've created that has a, allowed this to be such a friendly, friendly community as well has also really added to that. Yeah, I, I, that's always a goal of mine. I have no interest in running a community I wouldn't want to be part of. So I don't really, it hasn't really been a problem, um, but I do my best to cultivate that kind of atmosphere. Right. Yeah, I love it. So you, we were just talking about League Innovations and you you had mentioned alliances. And I, you know, as as part of just preparing for this episode, I, I sat down and thought through and kind of looked through some of the different innovations. We don't necessarily have to um, go in depth on on each of these, but, you know, I'll, I'll bring them up as as I've, I've listed them. And then if you have others you want to bring up as well, please do. Um, the, yeah. the first one was, and I, I believe it was in season seven, we started seeing the market cards and or upgrades from Rise of the Red Skull. I don't remember exactly which, but that's fine. You know, we started seeing them in, in season seven where there was something that you might have gotten from the campaign would actually show up. And then, so, you know, my question was, you know, is this a thing that you're going to continue doing? Because I'm, I'm excited to think about Sinister Motives and to think about uh, Mighty Titan Shadow in terms of what some of those things might actually look like, but also, you know, where they maybe get cross-pollinated. So I've got things that are all just from Galaxy's Most Wanted, but we're using Rise of the Red Skull upgrades or something like that. Yeah, yeah, those are great questions. So we started with the Galaxy Most Wanted marketplace because it was the easiest to introduce. Like here, here's some credits, play of that, see what happens. Right. Yep. The reason that happened is because, as you know, and everyone in the community knows, Galaxy Most Wanted's difficulty hike is intense. And the way I saw it was like, these marketplace cards are really going to be needed for this to be an enjoyable experience for the majority of people. Um, so that's how that started. Now, it went really well. And I've expanded it to include the, the Rise of Red Skull content, as you mentioned. And we will be doing it with Mad Titan Shadow starting when that comes as well. Um, as for cross-pollinating, now there was a little bit of that in the beginning. So... Just to kind of break down how it works, I'll kind of explain. It's easiest to explain by talking about Galaxy's Most Wanted. Sure. The idea was, if a villain shows up in round one, you're given the maximum amount of credits you would have when you reach that villain in the campaign. So, like, for instance, if Ronan, for by some miracle, showed up in round one, 
you'd get something like 21 credits to spend. Now, if he shows up in round five, which he did, you would get the minimum number of credits you could possibly get for him, which is four, which is like one for each preceding mission right. in the campaign. And then it just kind of stacks, it just kind of slants down a nice straight line through each round. And that's how it was originally set up. I've changed that a bit, and you'll see that this coming season, where I was thinking about it, and there was like a weird jump from round three to round four. Because what happens between round three and round four is we move from standard to expert difficulty, right? And in doing so, you make this difficulty jump, and you cut the person's credits, which I thought, which I thought a little bit to be, which I kind of thought was a bit unfair. Sure. So what I've done is made it so that that one to five scale got moved down to rounds one through three. So you get the minimum number of credits in round three to maximum in round one. And then you get the maximum in round four and the minimum in round five. So you kind of have like a, so you have a balancing act now of uh, it slopes down in the standard ones and then you get slopes down in the expert ones as well. So the idea being that you'll have a little bit more to help you in some rounds, but you're gonna have a little bit less to help you in other rounds as well. So it all kind of depends on where the chips lie on that. Yeah. And this was an ongoing theme throughout the the podcast this this season because i you know we really we really saw those upgrades present in in this season oh yeah they're big this season i don't necessarily always want them i think it's fun when they're not there and i think it's fun when they're there but i i did like the way that a lot of those campaign upgrades facilitated some deck builds that i just didn't feel were available to me within solo champions league without them right definitely i can see that and i saw we saw a lot of that right all the the um decks that were shared and, and all the different solutions we saw people were using a lot of different things a lot of different ways and it was really cool to see yeah so that that was that was the thing that i really i really appreciated about it and and so that was that was definitely a very welcome welcome thing for me any other thoughts about the the campaign elements at this point well you did mention the idea of like kind of cross-pollination seeing like marketplace credits yeah yeah so that was actually part of the original vision the idea being that you know, I mentioned that ramp for the villain. That ramp also existed for modular sets. So, like, if a Galaxy's Most Wand modular set showed up, you get an X number of credits. I did cut that out because it made certain things more complicated, but if there's interest, I'd say never say never to it. It's definitely something that can happen again. I think it's a mixed bag how some of the campaign elements really interact with a general scenario anyway. So, the you know i think as as you said the marketplace is pretty good as a general thing except for you know there's a whole tier of things in the marketplace that are only really good if you have the milano and and things like that right yeah so if you throw that red skull and you aren't maybe you don't have the milano i mean not much you can do with that except for a lot of really small upgrades mm-hmm, which mm-hmm. Cool yeah yeah it, but it, it definitely diminishes the overall impact of the market um but yeah i think i think it's neat and, and thematically it's kind of strange too yeah well there, there's people that are so good at bringing all those pieces together and kind of coming up with headcanon story for like why this makes perfect sense and then true and then once you hear it you're you think to yourself yeah that's it that makes perfect sense i'm on i'm on board <laughs> absolutely all right so the the next innovation that i spotted and i might have missed one but i think the next innovation i spotted was when you brought in the set your own difficulty in season nine that was with the hood pack uh, standard two and expert two and you know i mean big picture i'm just wondering what sort of challenges this introduced to you i think it was there's lots of fun conversations happening regarding all of these things but you know from from you who's trying to balance all these pieces you know what challenges did that introduce (laughs) 
Oh, you mean what you mean by trying to run a community and score everything and make everything nice and fair and easy and understandable? Yeah, yeah, there were some challenges there, weren't there? Yeah, the the nice and fair and understandable, I think, is obviously the really challenging spot. Yeah, absolutely. So I do run the league with with data in mind. The idea is that I use data to build challenging but doable rounds and sometimes try to push things in a direction that people wouldn't expect. Now, to do that, I need data. I need games played. So the idea was we have these new difficulties in Standard 2, Expert 2. I don't know where they're going to lie yet. People have their own, you know, uh, there's like colloquial um, answers to like the, the ranking of each difficulty, each each set now. But like, I don't have the, the, the data to know for sure yet. So how am I going to figure it out quick? And the answer was... Let's just make this season choose your own difficulty. It's something people have been asking for since season one. The idea that, you know, I'd really like to play all five rounds, but I don't really want to leave standard difficulty. It's not really my comfort zone, and I totally get that. I relate to it. In the choose your own difficulty season, I played standard one all five rounds, and I had a great time. So I'm totally fine with that that approach. It came up with some challenges. Uh, the number one one that you've mentioned, and I know a lot of people have mentioned, was community cohesion. Uh, people were playing different games. Playing a standard two game is not the same as a standard one necessarily, but even more so, playing an expert two game is not the same as a standard one game. So people were all over the place in how they wanted to do it. Additionally, it came with the idea that, like, okay, people are playing different difficulties. How are you going to reward them for taking on harder challenges? A while back, we introduced XP. XP replaced the rounds played stat early. I can't remember. I think it was like season four, I want to say, maybe five. But the idea was originally there was like a a rounds played stat and you just got like a point for every round you played. XP made it so that you got points based on the difficulty, difficulty of the round you played because people were concerned that players were playing rounds one through three, skipping out on rounds four and five, and then just getting you know, really high scores because they have a higher win percentage and stuff. And that's a valid concern. I can see that. So XP was a a chance to level that playing field. And I just enhanced that a little bit further. So before, um, XP was like a representation of your dependability in rounds. But, sorry, representation of your dependability across difficulties, uh, across difficult rounds. What we changed it to, what I changed it to was that you got different XP in a given round depending on the difficulty you played, which is kind of just like a reordering of the words, but it really changed how people thought about things. Uh, <laughs> does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it, it uh, yeah, it really changed the XP system and made it a lot more important than it used to be. I'm going to be honest, it used to be like 5% of people's score, and now it's above, I think, 15 Not that I'm going to give out solid numbers. People always ask. You're not getting solid numbers. Right. So just (laughs) just to, um, because I think this is a piece we have not specifically talked about correctly on the podcast, or I've talked about it in a slightly different way. So the the way you're calculating the hero score, you're you're folding in kind of the things that we're thinking about the turn and the hero health and the villain health and the and the threat. Are you thinking of approval rating? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, approval okay, rating. Sorry. Um, when I say hero score, yeah, I meant approval rating. Thank you. Um, but what what you're saying is you actually fold XP into that to some degree as well? Yeah, so each of those... No, no, each of those elements is worth a percentage of your score. 
Um, and then, so I give everyone, you get like a zero to a hundred score in it, but it gets broken down to a smaller number yeah. to contribute towards, you know, the hundred points you could get in a, in a, in a, in a round. Um, XP is also a percentage of your score. So the ap- approval rating includes the XP. Okay. That. Yes, it absolutely does. Yes. Okay. Gotcha. Now, I think because I've been speaking about it as kind of like an offset to your, to your approval rating based on difficulty and stuff, but that's, it's the thing that's actually baked into the XP. So you're, you're putting the corrections in right at the XP point uh, to, to account for some of these things. And that's how they get folded into the approval rating. Absolutely. Okay, that that's a thing that I somehow didn't quite key in on, so that's really helpful to to understand. Well, it changed. I mean, I didn't talk about this out publicly, but it changed. What you're talking about was the original system. What I'm talking about is what the last three seasons have been. Great. Okay. So good. We're all, we're all on the same page. Another 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 thing I just wanted to um, loop back to real quick was, as you know, I've been playing around a bit with the board game geek big database that's been collected for for community plays and looking at difficulty and and i've seen a little bit of what's going on with the league stuff and you know the thing we really see is there is a huge difference between what is seen over there and what is seen in the league right because people are often practicing they're taking their plays a lot more seriously and so the success rate of people playing expert against a more difficult villain you know over in the board game geek database might be on the order of 50% where in in the league here we might see it in the high 70s for a comparable challenge right and to account for that i actually use that data um it's publicly available so i factored it, factored it into my difficulty ratings it uses the history of the league but also uses data from that spreadsheet to try and get a more accurate thing because of like you said practice rounds and such that people use it's a totally different approach that people use um, so information on that spreadsheet does get used in the league. Just uh, it's like basically the league's history data is about 67% of the difficulty and the right. that spreadsheet's data is about 33% of the difficulty calculation. Well, and I mean, when we're taking on something new, obviously you don't have anything else other than that other one. And that's what I, that's, that's why, that's my crutch. That's what I lean on. Exactly. Um, you, as you know, I, I love I love those things. So, oh yeah, me too. <laughs> always fun to talk about. Um, okay, and then so the the last thing that I think is kind of on the more recent innovations that I wanted to bring up was alliances, which you already mentioned. We did have some requests um, in our sub channel on the Discord. Just maybe give a brief summary of alliances for people who aren't entirely familiar with them, and then maybe we can talk about them a little bit more beyond that. Yeah, yeah. So what I'll do is I'll start with like a kind of a brief history of how alliances came to be and then kind of like the elevator pitch of what it is and what it's going to be going forward. Love it. So what it started with was, as I mentioned earlier, the league is based on data. I build rounds around data and there are things I need data for. So what I did was I made the choose your own difficulty round to get a variable amount of data and different combinations there. And then we had the issue pretty early on and continuing where one or two heroes or one or two aspects were like the star children and like they could do no wrong and they got played every round and in a given round or a given combination is what everyone played. And I get a lot of data for it and I'd get nothing like I don't have a lot of data for Hulk protection, believe it or not. So the idea was, how do I go about getting that information so I can fairly score people who try that because I don't want to score them. in like the three people who got hundred percent on it, I want, mm-hmm. I want to score it on the hundred people that got, you know, 50, 50 on it. 
So the idea was, how do I get that data? And then that's where the idea of alliances came in. Basically, a team of five people can be on their own team, uh, their own alliance. You get your name, you get that, like a color in the Discord, you get a, a tagline, it's a lot of fun. But in your alliance, you all have to play a different hero plus aspect combination. So if you're given five heroes in a single aspect, each of you is giving a different hero and plus the aspect. If it's a, the, the aspects plus a single hero, same thing, opposite direction, you get the idea. And we use basic, which isn't an aspect I know. I get that a lot. It's just an option in the league. So the idea was, okay, this is going to spread things out. And you saw that. I've listened to your podcast all season. You saw how things are getting closer and closer to like 20 to 25% play rates when before we were looking at like 60% is playing this. You know what I mean? Agreed. Yeah, and I think that's made for a lot more interesting conversations. People are talking in a lot of different ways. And I know I have like the all-seeing eye within the league. Like I can see within each of the Alliance channels what everyone's talking about. And I try to use that power for good. But the (laughs) idea is that there's a lot of conversations going on that weren't happening before. And that's really exciting to see. The spreadsheet is getting full with like actual information as opposed to estimates. And it's, it's, it's really helping the league develop into a, a better environment for everyone, I think. Right. I think it's ultimately been, been quite successful. You know, if I, if I reflect on my journey from hearing about alliances to kind of where we are today, you know, at first I thought it was a bit of a way to just create these little, little micro groups that were going to talk smack to each other. And that was going to be the main function of what that was. And, you know, honestly, that wasn't the thing that I was especially interested in, but what it ended up being for, for me and, you know, by the sounds of it for a lot of people is it kind of created a group of people that you, that you discuss things with quite intensely, if that was something that you were interested in. Yeah. I happened to find a couple folks that were pretty interested in having kind of a similar amount of discussions and similar similar type of discussions to me. And it's it's been great. It's been really fun. There, there really hasn't been too much smack talk, not that I'm opposed to it anyway, <laughs> but that's my original window into what it was going to be about was kind of that. I thought that's what it was going to be, how it was going to present within the league, but it really hasn't been that. No, it hasn't. Yeah, people are always, as always, still taking things in good fun. And um, it's not, it, it hasn't become a big part of it. It has become like you're talking. So I do want to actually call out and kind of praise the Gamorons for a second, if you'll let me. Oh, sure. Because I, <laughs> so I see your guys' conversations, okay? I see how you come to your ideas because, I, you know, I'm doing my moderation duties, making sure everything's cool around the around the area. And you guys are really good about coming up with really unique ideas but more importantly and this is the part that excites me the most is once you guys land on something you're immediately in deck sharing and you're telling the rest of the league you're not keeping it to yourself and that's what i want to see and you guys have really championed that and i just want to thank you for it i i just happened to have lucked out to to end up with a couple people that kind of already operated in that mode right we all know that astrodar would have an amazing deck on day one of, of most things being shared right so that was kind of part of the people I was seeking out was the people that were really interested in the sharing. And so I think we all came in being in that space in the first place. And then we just we just kept it. And I honestly, I was actually a little bit surprised. I kind of thought people might pull back a little bit. But nope, nope. Both Astrodar and Matthew Noodles were absolutely happy to continue to share out and continue discussion, discussing it in the wider community. Yeah, that I mean, that was a fear of mine that that was going to be the case. But you guys really, you guys kept it going. And I'm just really thankful for that. Yeah, well, it's it's been great fun, and I mean, 
I love the really detailed discussion, you know, and I love when Tony Tails pops up and has his super very detailed analysis of how everything breaks down and, you know, why you're losing two damage if you make this choice over that choice and all those other things that, that we sometimes see, you know, right? I, I think in part there's been more space created for some of those discussions because people who might not have been participating in those ones quite as much get into those a little bit within their within their alliances, maybe are able to get some of their their thoughts straightened out a little bit and kind of then come into those other conversations saying, you know, like I've actually had a chance to think about this and I want to contribute to the conversation. Yeah, it might be more approachable for people too. Like, I mean, we're a group, that Discord has over a thousand people in it right now. It's not easy to go on there and type something and say like, yeah, the world's going to accept this, right? Yeah. Like <laughs> that's a real fear that people have. So maybe Alliances opens up that conversation before people go out. And that's that's a very real possibility. Love it. How have they worked out compared to your vision? So we, we discussed some of those things already, but you know, are, are there any pieces we missed out on? Uh, I mean, I've just been so happy of how well people have adopted it. People were super enthusiastic. Um, I don't have the exact number right now. I wish I pulled it up ahead of time. But how many alliances actually are there right now? Let me see if I can pull it up real quick. Right, it's on the order of 17 or something yeah, like that, Yeah, yeah, that right? sounds right. And that's that's huge just for the first season. I haven't talked about it much more than that first round where I announced it and that we got 17 people pretty quickly. I think we only added like two or three new ones during the season and i actually just got a new one registered last week that'll be going up soon so there's there's a lot of people interested in it and it's been a lot of fun to see it grow right and so i mean that's you know um just doing a quick estimate in my brain you know that's kind of on the order of a half or slightly more of the people who are actively participating in the league are in an alliance yeah that's not a bad estimate and uh, you know what the strangest thing to me honestly is that there are so many five person alliances when i yeah. <laughs> when i have the idea i'm like that's a terrifying prospect but people love yeah. it so much i'm like okay have at it it helps it helps the league and if you're having fun i'm happy but i could not be a part of a five person alliance it intimidates me too much me neither that was that was the first thing i i i wanted a couple of people that were that was the other thing i was looking for a couple of people that were a bit skeptical of how alliances were going to work out and we just kind of wanted to dip their toes in Yep. When I started Ursa Major, I, I told the, the people I approached, like, listen, three people's my max. You're welcome to join, but we're stopping at three. <laughs> yep. I hear you. Yeah. Okay, very cool. Was, was there anything else that, um, in terms of how things have worked out? I mean, just to continue in the diversity and the answers that people are coming up to, the, the problems I pose to you, uh, huge engagement. There's been a 50% increase in the number of messages in the Discord since the introduction of Alliances. So in the months preceding versus the months since, 50% more messages have gone through the Discord. And that's that's incredible. And I, I really think Alliances had a big part to do with that. Well, I mean, an interesting thing about this was, this was part of where this question was motivated to me is there's what fraction of those messages is a typical person seeing because they would see the messages in their alliance and then the public ones. Oh, no, okay. Yeah. So yeah, our total number is going up, but how many of them are going to just alliance members? So like people aren't getting notified, you know, into oblivion. I'm getting notified into oblivion, but keep sending your yes. messages. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I do think a big part of it is that people are just having their own conversations and their private channels and that's in contributing to it for sure. But I also think that there's like a level of engagement that came from this that's different, where it's not just like someone shares a solution and everyone kind of taps on. You know, we need multiple solutions to get through a season now or get through a, get through a round now. So there's a lot more people sharing a lot of different ideas. And I think that's been a big part of it as well. 
Yeah, I, I think I would agree. My, I think my observations would definitely be that the conversations have shifted from being these are the best choices mm-hmm. for this round. You know, this is the best hero or these are the two best heroes Absolutely. to being like being I'm the person who's stuck with Hawkeye. Sorry, Kennedy Hawk. I'm the person who's stuck with Hawkeye. What, you know, how is this going to work? Who can help me make a good Hawkeye deck? That kind of conversation has shifted, which, you know, that's I love that. I love that because it's I like playing most of the solutions each round just to get a sense of all the different stuff because that's how how I interact with it. And so I get to participate in a whole bunch of those conversations that weren't necessarily happening before. I, I love that as well because I am a person that tries to go act and actively try to go against the grain in too many aspects of my life. So <laughs> I love protection and it's not the doll of most people's uh, you know affection in, in this in this particular realm. So I really do like playing protection. Um so there's a lot more conversations about protection now than there were before. And there's all sorts of different combinations that people weren't talking about before. And now it's an active part of the chat. And you're right. That's exactly what, what we wanted to see. And it's what we're getting. My naive perception is I, I'm struggling a bit to figure out if I think the amount of conversation I see has gone up, down, or stayed about the same. Because I have a bunch of conversation within my alliance. And I know people are having potentially similar amounts of conversations with their alliance. So from my perspective, the amount of conversation in the league hasn't necessarily changed in a radical way. I think it's shifted, but I don't know if the amount of conversations really changed. But I kind of what you're seeing is across the board is definitely the messages are up. So yeah, they're cool. they're all over they're all up. Okay. So let's let's move on to where are the innovations going? Things that you're thinking about, near term things that you're already planning and can share or long-term things that are just kind of on a on a simmer that you're saying, ah, you know, I'm thinking about this, but it's not going to be for a while. What can you share with us? Sure. I try to do a small project between each season to enhance next season. Like a few seasons ago, I built the Civil War board. Yep. There's going to be a new leaderboard starting in season 11, round one. I don't want to talk too much about it. I'm going to talk about it on results day when it comes up, but it's just <laughs> a new way of looking at your stats. Um, and I think people are really going to be excited to see it. Okay, I'm 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 excited already. Yeah, yeah. So, there, so right now we have season round and overall. There's a fourth one, and we'll talk about that later. Next up, we're gonna be playing with difficulty selection, which is something that's been a theme of the last two seasons. You know, trying to yep. find that balance. Uh, for season eleven, it's going to be the same as season ten, where it's like standard, standard two, and then expert one, expert two, blah 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 for the for the expert rounds. But in the future, uh, the idea here is that we get more of those different combinations so that in the future, I can build a round that's like, you know, what if your choices are expert or standard two? Yep. You know, try and mix it up so that they actually increase in difficulty between each round. And the idea is I just need to get more information on those strange difficulty combinations so I can properly rank them and make that a thing. So that is in the future, not season 11, but maybe season 12. Right. And so that's a thing that is part of the hood pack being a little bit more officially as part of everything right yeah it's out there uh hood's coming out in season 12 for league purposes spoiler alert but um it's it's difficulty packs have obviously been part of the league for a few seasons now but we will have more and more of that going forward Going back to your your early ethos of how things should work, you you made that an optional thing that not everybody had to have the hood pack, but we've hit the point where to participate in every single round in a season, one might actually need the hood pack starting in season 12. See, that's a fear of, well, that's a fear of mine that I want to avoid. The idea would be, in my head at least, 
that there's always that standard and expert is always an option. And then there's just like some other combination next to it. I see. But but we'll see if that works out or not. I think specifically since the hood is coming in anyway, it would be very reasonable for you in a in a round where we were actually playing against the hood or one of the hood modulars was the modular for that for that round. It would then be reasonable for you to require a specific standard two or expert two as part of that as well. That is absolutely on my mind. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, okay. we are on the same page there. Gotcha. Cool. What else? So we got difficulty selection. You got this new leaderboard that you're you're mm-hmm. taunting me with. What else do we have? <laughs> uh, so civil war. It's that. It's that. It's that. It's kind of sh- people ask about it all the time. It's the. Yeah. It's a it's a leaderboard next to the aspects on the on the second page of stats. Like, what is this? Basically, heroes have traits, right? Like, they're either an Avenger or they're a Mystic or they're um, a I don't know what's a what a Guardian, right? So, Civil War just takes like all the stats from people who share a trait and kind of ranks those traits against each other. Like, what affiliation do they have? We're going to be using those things in the future, where we're going to have a season where maybe we don't use Avengers or maybe we can't use anything with guardians on it in an attempt to kind of put these different traits against each other and see how they do. Right. That should be good fun. I, <laughs> another thing you already know from previous conversations is I do enjoy deck building restrictions. I think there's in terms of accessibility, I think that can hurt accessibility because not everybody has the same size right. collection, but for example, you know, when you're playing with guardians, your need for the Avengers allies is usually not anywhere near as high. And so being able to say, sorry, no, no Avengers, because we're playing web warriors or we're playing guardians, or we're playing champions. You know, I think those things could definitely be a good way. To, and it's not actually cutting out a huge swath of a person's collection as being unavailable, right? Just you can't use the, the allies or the heroes from that trait. So that, that seems like that could be really fun. Yeah. You're hitting the nail on the head. Um, so yeah, a deck building constrictions were a, were a thing that had a 50-50, right? 50% of people loved it, 50% yeah. of people actually hated it, and they really let me know actively whenever possible. So <laughs> this is a way of trying to... Yeah, sorry about that. Yeah. <laughs> no problem. It's all an experiment. Every season, I experiment with something new. It was just another one. They don't all last. So it's a way of trying to bring that back and but in a more approachable and fair way where it feels less random and more designed i think there's you know i think there's room as the as the available pool of cards continues to grow to then return back to deck building restrictions in different ways but maybe not big swings you know maybe maybe some of these smaller things like you're mentioning i think that can be fun or you know we know tony tales put out a video quite a while ago now that was i can't remember exactly what he called it but it was basically what he considered to be the taboo cards the ones that were a little overpowered you know and right. you can imagine you can imagine doing something that got rid of those or something like that too right so it's not it's not completely killing a person's collection or punishing them for not having everything it's a little gentler than that yeah and you can see that kind of that conversation starting greg's let them fight uh, debates that yep. are happening right now in the Discord where people are like, hey, can we have this as a deck building constriction? I'm like, I don't know if I want to force people to use the worst card, but we'll talk about it. We'll see how we will see how we want to use that. But yeah, I'm really excited to see how that develops. Right. I've been slowly working on a mode for for Marvel Champions that uses a bit more of a deck builder as in kind of deck building card games uh, aspect that, you know, Hearthstone also does one of these things where, you know, each each round, you draw three cards off the top of a huge pool, and you get to add one of those 
to your hand on top of everything mm-hmm. else. And so you're kind of slowly bringing in cards from the larger pool and, you know, cards you would normally not consider playing might be appropriate for the situation that you're just in the middle of facing based on the board state, or it's just the least worst option of the three cards that you drew or whatever <laughs> it is, you know, and because I, yeah, do think it, cool. I think it's really fun to have those excuses to interact with some of the cards. You just interact with less. Yeah, definitely. I can see I can see a lot of good uh, a good way of doing that. I, I mean, the problem in the league, of course, is like how do you guarantee someone has it? Will it has to come from the core set, or it has to come from guardians if you're facing the collector or something. But there's definitely a lot of cool things you can do with that. Yeah, no, this one is definitely not something I was picturing for the league. I've been kind of cooking up. <laughs> I've been cooking up some fun things to share in between rounds. Um, okay. Is kind of is kind of how I've been picturing these as you know a little challenge of while you're waiting for for the next season to start up in that two week break you know here's here's something fun to try out so that's that's kind of been how I've been thinking about those a little bit. All right, I'm really happy to see how you develop that. Then that's gonna be really cool. Yeah, it should be it should be fun. It's you know one of those things where I put in and you know you know how it goes right an intense amount of time and then all of a sudden I forget about it for a couple of weeks and that just <laughs> never ending cycle of that. I'm familiar. familiar. <laughs> any any other kind of season ten wrap up things? We you know we talked about innovations, but anything else from season ten that seemed worthwhile? We're going to jump into season eleven preview in a bit, so want to make sure yeah. we got all those season ten things. You know, people have been dreading Ronin for, for yeah, so yeah. long. Like from the time it came out, people were like, "Oh, when's Ronin going to come up? When's Ronin going to come up?" And I finally put him out there, and you know what? It went much better than I think people expected. Agreed. I, mean, I think it was what, like a 65 or 70% win rate overall. And, you know, I was so happy that it like so many people approached me either in the comments or in the discord itself and said, you know, I thought Ronin was impossible. I put him away forever, but I tried it for this round and I had so much fun doing it and it was a cool puzzle. And I was just really happy to see that because I, I was dreading putting it out there. I was like, oh, people are going to crucify me. But here we are. And it worked. It worked well, I think. I was really happy with how it ended up. Agreed. And, you know, I, in hindsight, you know, not only is Doctor Strange the most powerful hero and, you know, some of the other S tier heroes, I think, aren't radically, aren't significantly weaker than Doctor Strange, but Doctor Strange's actual toolkit just kind of synergized well with Ronin, right? His ability to get tough fairly easily and, and some card cycling Absolutely. to find solutions and other things. So, it, you know, in a way, you know, how, whether it was planned or just kind of something you, you lucked into, it just turned out that Dr. Strange was a really good matchup for, for Ronin in terms of making people feel quite capable. Yeah. I build rounds pretty far out, surprisingly far out. So Ronin versus Dr. Strange was actually planned probably about two seasons ago. Yeah, It was all about what season is this going to pop up in? And it had to be a season where round five was a choose your aspect round. And so that just happened to be season 10. Right. Uh, that, that, was, that part was by design. And then, of course, as you know, as a member, as a supporter, you know about how the, 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 the backers were able to influence like the modular sets and how it basically all came together in the end. I was really happy that I spotted fairly early on in that voting process what the power drain was actually going to help make Ronin a little a little easier, going to provide a few breaks for for the players. So I was really happy that everybody voted on that one ultimately because yeah, um, I think I think it was I think it ultimately contributed to everybody coming away from that saying that wasn't so bad and actually it was kind of fun. You know, one of the conversations I was having on Discord today was just people who maybe actually like Doctor Strange a little more than they did before because they actually got to play him against a challenge mm-hmm. where it felt like right oh. 
great. Doctor Strange is actually necessary here. Yeah, absolutely. Doctor Strange was the key to it. And and you're right about Power Drain being also super important. As you know, uh, my my pitch was let's just rip off the Band-Aid. Okay, let's just get this over with. My plan was Ronin the Accuser versus with the Doomsday Chair. And I think at that point, people may have just mass quit. But my my plan was, you know what, this is going to be awful. Let's just get this out of the way. But you know what? I'm glad you all intervened and, and held me back against my uh, my my worst judgment there. <laughs> well, you know, and, and part of it is people will see parts of the combination that might not be immediately obvious to you when you initially think of it, too, right? Right. Yeah, because I'm building these things based on like, well, my calculations say you should have about this win percentage, and that's pretty normal for around five. But in reality, the cards don't always line up that way. Yeah, fully agreed. Is there any other season 10 things? I mean, in the end, it just felt like it was the season of Ronin because that was the concluding story. But, you know, I don't know anything else from season 10 that you wanted to point out. I think I think I'm good. I mean, we introduced a few new heroes, right? We got Gamora and Star-Lord out of the way. And that's always a theme of each season was what what can we add to the new uh, choose your hero rounds? What heroes are now going to be part of the rotation? I for the most part quite like the the guardians heroes so i was really okay. happy i was really happy to see that get rounded out and um you know even though i didn't even actually play gamora for my official games i definitely played a bunch of gamora games during that round and it was good fun i was i was very happy to see some of some of those those heroes come in so that was i loved it yeah it is good all right season 11 preview that's part of what probably people who are t- going to tune in as early as possible, are going to actually be really interested in. Sorry I made you wake so long. <laughs> I don't think we're going to necessarily have a chance to go through. I, I have a you know a few talking points that are that are already prepared. We might not make it through all these because we do try to keep the the podcast to just under an hour if we can. But mm-hmm. let, let's go let's go big picture season eleven. What can you share with us? What can we expect? Uh, it's actually really easy. I can say it quickly. It's Wrecking Crew all the way down. Season one, round uh, season eleven, round one, Wrecking Crew, round two, Wrecking Crew, three through five, also Wrecking Crew, and uh, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I love it. I remember this getting floated on uh, on the Discord a little while ago and getting you know it was very well received. So I think this should be this should be a good season. Yeah, yeah. I think I think that's good. Anything else? <laughs> no, I think we're good with season eleven. So I mean, I assume there'll be new heroes, but it was just Wrecking Crew. Oh yeah, yeah, just Wrecking Crew. No, no, all right. There's going to be other stuff, too. There, <laughs> there's going to be two rounds where we use Mad Titan Shadows villain. People have been asking for a while. Ronin's yep. out of the way, so we are officially entering the new phase, which is Mad Titan Shadow. So we're going to have two rounds using just villains, modular sets, and heroes from that campaign box. And I'll tell you right now, one of them is Tower Defense, and I'm really looking forward to see how that one works out. I love it. We got it. We got a scoop here. So we're going <laughs> to see tower defense. Yeah. I remember, you know what? I remember with the guardians most wanted cycle came into the league. You did something similar where you kind of had a couple rounds that was just all content from, from that box. And I think, especially for people who haven't necessarily had a real chance to explore the new box, this one isn't the newest box, but you know, in the mighty Titans shadow, I think it's a really good way to get to engage with multiple aspects of the box. So I, I kind of like how you do that lumping of all those components together in one round. And this might be from before your time. I'm not sure when it happened, but uh, we did the same thing for um, 
the rise of red skull so it's gonna it's gonna keep going that way too so you can look for that to happen with when we get to sinister motives as well i think when i joined i think that's probably actually when it happened but i think it wasn't obvious to me because i hadn't seen what was yeah. going on before that so yeah no problem so it was only really obvious to me when when the guardians most wanted came in yeah it seems like the fairest way to approach it from like an accessibility standpoint point for like i know i know Mad Titan Shadow has been out for a while. It took us a while to get there. Things kind of got put on delay when we had the uh, the uh, All Star season. Yeah. So, um, but it's here now, and we're gonna we're gonna roll it into regular rotation starting this starting this season. Right. So if you if you don't have that box, you're going to be able to participate in three of the five rounds. Still. Correct. Which that's that's kind of part of your design philosophy, right? Yes, and then and then to keep things fresh. At, after I do that, it does become part of the regular rotation, so we can see things like Loki pop up at any season after that. And then, w- what can we expect for for new heroes? Well, we're gonna have a new hero every round, right? There's two rounds using Mad Titan Shadow, so that's two heroes right there. Yep. Um, and you know what they are? They're Adam Warlock and Spectrum. Yep. And then the other three rounds are all choose your hero rounds, which means that's a new hero every round this season, which doesn't happen very often. It only happens when we introduce a new campaign box. As far as teasing who they are, I mean, you know which ones are out. I try <laughs> to stick to, I, I try to do in order, but sometimes I skip the order a bit if a hero sounds interesting for a particular challenge. Yeah. But I'll leave it up for people to guess from there, but we will have five new heroes this season. Right. Well, so that it's, it's basically three of the four not mentioned. So, that, yeah, <laughs> that, that, that's that that's enough detail for me uh, anyway. So you know, for fo- for folks who aren't entirely aware of who, who the heroes we're talking about are, this is going to be Nebula, Vision, uh, War Machine, and Valkyrie. The are the are the four non-box heroes that we're going to see three out of the four of those show up at some point during the round as well. Yeah, and whichever one you don't see, guess what? It's coming in season twelve. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're going to see it. Well, unless it unless season twelve is a low star uh, instead of all star round, and then maybe we will we'll, <laughs> we'll see what happens. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. All right, and then I know because you've already kind of mentioned this a little bit, but you have you want to tell us a little bit what you have planned for round five for for this season? Yeah, round five as a as a as a kind of a, a deviation from the norm. I'm going to break the usual hero plus aspect structure. So instead of five heroes in a single aspect or any aspect of a single hero, I've got something else cooking up and I think it's going to be really cool for people to approach it. It's going to be, it's going to add additional options for people. And I can't wait to see how people uh, approach it, especially how alliances approaches it. Right. Well, so you, you know, because we, we, you did mention this a, a little bit earlier to me and my, my brainstorming whiteboard in my head, got thrown down on the table and i started thinking of all sorts of different things that you could that you could actually change around and i think there's lots of exciting possibilities that, that can come out of that so I'm, I'm looking forward to ultimately what you decided to do because I'll, I'll think it'll be great fun yeah it's gonna be cool all right and then anything about campaign elements or anything for this season so up until this point i've given people the good right like when we introduce campaign elements campaign elements it's like here go ahead and have some units to spend in the marketplace, make your deck better. We're going to start introducing some of the tougher things, Love like it. the extra the extra schemes that come specifically in Galaxy's Most Wanted, for example. We're going to see some of those detriments from the campaign start coming in. So you're going to get bonuses and detriments in the single round and have to do your best to work your way around it. Love it. So, I mean, and that's going to feel 
for those who have been playing Sinister Motives, that's going to play feel really like the Sinister Motives thing, right? You 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 advance and you get access to more things, but you also get more penalties. So that should be fun. Yeah, you know, and I'll be curious to see that you know if you kind of loop back and bring in the obligations from Rise of the Red Skull, the or or other things like that as well. Just ways mm-hmm. that are just like just not even giving anything anybody something good. Just here's a bunch of extra bad stuff. That'll be. <laughs> I don't know. I, I sometimes people see me as a, as a cruel leader. I try not to be. I try to be fair. <laughs> well, overall, I like a little bit of variety in my play experience. So I I do. I think I would appreciate the odd round that had just penalties. But okay. again, a thing I I've I've raised is just kind of this notion of thinking about people who don't play as much Marvel Champions as the people who are really the highly engaged people on on the Discord and you know what their experience is and we hear often that it's the first time they're ever playing a hero and the hero is Wasp or something like that who's been out for quite a while and what what is their impression of that piece of content through interacting with it if you just make it so it's heavily handicapped versus you really lean into their strengths and all those other things. So, you know, you have a, you have a huge audience you kind of have to consider. And so, and I, when I hear you talk about it, I know you're always thinking about that. Constantly, constantly. Yeah. It's definitely, it's definitely a balancing act, right? Of like trying to get the information in order to make the league better because, you know, the more information we have, the more fair I can make rounds, but also trying to make things fun while also challenging those who really want that challenge. So it, it is, you know, that's what, that's what the five round structure is about a lot of the time, is like mm-hmm. making things more difficult as we go in order to facilitate um, all different levels of play. Love it. Love it. Okay, so that that's our Season 11 preview. The last piece I wanted to check in, and, you know, we'll, we'll just maybe spend a little bit of time on this, but not, okay. not necessarily a great deal, but sh- should we talk about some of the new content that's coming in a little bit and, you know how just as a player of marvel champions what what's interesting to you i've been thinking of these things and i'm sure you have of course um through the lens of solo champions league as well right so yeah um, some of some of the new heroes might be more well suited to multiplayer and so you know what's <laughs> what is going to be the perspective <laughs> of that hero if they come come into solo champions league so let let's go through some of these different parts of the box and think about just We'll touch on just a couple points for each thing, maybe. So we've got six new heroes that are coming in. We've already mentioned them, but there's Spectrum, Adam Warlock, Nebula, War Machine, Valkyrie, and Vision. And I'm curious, just as a player, what are you most excited to play? Okay. As I mentioned earlier, I go against the grain in a lot of things. Love it. I am most excited to play Valkyrie. And the reason being is because, because of all the time I put into this league, I don't get to play things when they come out. I'm too busy. So <laughs> whenever there's a choose your hero round, that's usually my first chance to play that hero. So Valkyrie is one that gets a lot of hate in the Discord and across the community. And I really like playing Thor, so I'm wondering how different it is. So I'm really excited to get the chance to play her. <laughs> yeah, I, I have some opinions because I actually I actually played with all the box content over the past week just as part of thinking about the previews for this. Yeah. I think out of this collection of heroes, I've probably had the most fun with Vision personally. Adam Warlock is going to be interesting because you've already said he's going to be one of the required heroes at some point in this round. There's there's a build out there from from Brian V that is is quite well regarded and I've actually had quite a bit of fun with it. And I'll be really curious when we have an Adam Warlock round 
what other kinds of ideas are going to come up because there's so many interesting combos that Adam Warlock enables. I think there could be a lot of really fun conversations happening on the Discord around that. Or a lot of people might just be like, you know what, this is overwhelming. I'm just going to try Brian V's deck and just see how it goes. Yeah, Adam Warlock is a wild card from a lot of different angles right now for me. From the league as from the league aspect and from a deck building aspect, there are just endless possibilities. It seems. Yeah, there, there's endless possibilities, but even if, when you have the mentality of you're thinking about both how the aspects are doing and how the heroes are doing and all those other things, the fact that he doesn't have an aspect or has all the aspects, depending on how you think about it, it's hard to even think about how to incorporate him into some of your overall data sets. Yeah, absolutely. We'll see. <laughs> We're just going to see what happens with them. We are rolling the dice of Adam Warlock. They threw this deck at us, and I'm going to figure it out. <laughs> That's what I do. Love it. Love it. I, and I think there's a bunch of fun heroes in here. There's a few heroes that really benefit from situations where you can flip a lot. You know, War Machine and Nebula, for example. It'll be curious to see where you lean into that and lean lean against it. For, for how all these things pan out when you when you ultimately introduce them. Yeah, definitely. I do my best to try and match those things up, but sometimes it's like, well, I could use Nebula now, but I'm going to have this like adverse thing on her, or she has to wait a whole season. So you have, kind of have to balance like how soon do people want to see her, which is what kind of situation do people accept to see her in. Yep. So it, it, it's a balancing act. Well, I mean, one of the things I observed when playing through all the Might and Mighty Titans Shadow things was many of the scenarios, not all, but many of the scenarios have quite high threat thresholds such that it, you know, even outside of justice, it can be quite safe to flip with if you are playing Nebula or War Machine, right? Because, you know, War Machine. Yeah, you're right. War Machine gets all his ammo replenished by flipping. And so if you can't flip, that is not a very fun hero to play. <laughs> <laughs> Agreed. Agreed. Right. And so. Um, you know, I was just thinking about all those types of aspects as I was I was playing through it. And but you know, Hella, for example, I can't remember if it's twelve or even higher than that. But her her main threat threshold is pretty high. So you, outside of really disastrous combinations of of cards coming out when you've flipped, it's pretty safe. You have to, might take some time to recover, but you can do it. From a scoring perspective, Hella is going to be really interesting when we have our first results from that round. It's going to be crazy to see how that goes. I, I was also thinking about scoring for some of these as well, but that, that, that's like a yeah. conversation for another day. So the new villains, the new villains, we have Ebony Maw with his spells. We have Tower Defense, which is another attempt at a multi-villain scenario. We have Thanos, who's kind of the big bad stuck in the middle of all of this. Hela, as you mentioned, which has a scenario design that's not not entirely unlike Collector 2, but is an improvement on on that type yeah, of design it's a, and it's like a series of quests it's really cool yeah so it's 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 really similar to uh the lord of the rings lcg which i played a little bit of not a ton but you know it, it feels a lot like that and then loki who blends some elements of thanos with with some other kind of a lot of messing with you because he's loki right so those are those are the villains we're seeing of these and i i'm i'm curious you know, who do you think is going to actually inspire the most actual strategy talk? Who, if you're going to count your number of things on the Discord, you know, where where's that going to happen? Uh, if I have to say, if we're talking strategy talk, I think the answer is Hella. Yeah, me too. Just because there's so many variables that you have to keep consider. Like, we have to bring this threat down over here, but we also have to defeat this minion. And when do we want this minion to come out? Is it good to bring it out now? And 
there's so much going on in that that it's going to be really complex for people who haven't played it and a, a good puzzle for people who have. Well, and I think you raise a really important point, right? There's going to be people who maybe played through the box once and, you know, kind of stumbled their way through Hella and haven't gone back to even and even look at it again. And they're going to think, well, you know, if I'm actually going to want to be, try to be successful at this, I kind of need to know a little bit more about how it works. So I think there's going to be a lot of initial, dis- and I, re- I recognize this is what happened with Collector 2. I think there's going yes. to be a lot of initial discussions that are just like, how does this scenario actually work if you want to be successful? Yeah, we might need to make a guide one for that one because it can be a challenge. Yeah, well, and just to help make sure everybody plays it correctly. So, I mean, I'm definitely going to be revisiting some of the FAQ type things for some of these new things as they're coming out to share because there's going to be a lot of questions. So it'll be good to get some of that stuff together. Absolutely. An observation I made also when when playing through, through all the box scenarios was this specific box tried to deal with a few of the most common strategies that we see, which are using status effects, you know, more through stalwart and a little bit through steady in making stun and confuse quite a bit weaker or completely useless. And um, there's, there's not a huge amount of piercing, but there's definitely some piercing. So then, you know, the tough is not necessarily as powerful, but also there were a bunch of cards across multiple scenarios that were the type of, if an ally was defeated by this attack, this bad thing happens. Right. Um, Some of it would come up with a card that you drew as a boost effect. So you wouldn't know it was going to happen. So you either had to know the deck really well or just be surprised by it, you know, either way. And But then there's some that you could see coming from a mile away and then had to make decisions based on that. The latter is kind of the thing I prefer a little bit so I can be prepared and actually have to think about the things I want to do. But I think that's going to be fun overall to have people who kind of rely on some of those those typical strategies that that they're going to have to change and figure out how to be successful without them. Yeah, I, I can't wait to see it. I mean, the conversations are the best part for me is just really catching up and see people know this game a lot better than me that's not a problem by me but like i'm totally cool with that and i really love seeing ideas that just never would have occurred to me and i know a lot of the rest of the league appreciate appreciates it too so seeing that those answers to those problems is something i'm excited for yeah well they, i mean i i brought this up lots of times but I, I i love those conversations it's so fun it's so fun to me okay tell me is there one of these villains that you personally are dreading having to play against uh Hmm. You know, the answer is probably also Hella, just yeah. because of all the intricate moving parts. Like, right. I'm excited for the options she she poses, and like what it's going to mean for scoring and all of these cool things. But like going up against her, it's just like doing this series of things in the right order at the right strategic time is something that is going to take a level of thinking that I don't always have when I know I'm live streaming my game. <laughs> Well, that yes, that's that's definitely a challenge. Um, you know, as a person who record records games, I don't live stream them, but I record games, and I definitely know, you know, that there's that extra element that you're you're paying attention to, the thinking out loud and all the other things that it's it it can make it a lot easier to miss stuff. Oh yeah, especially when you're trying to like keep it at a nice steady pace. Like, hey, don't let me pause here for two minutes to think. <laughs> I. That's a trap I don't personally fall into. I I pause for a very long time sometimes. <laughs> That's no problem. But yeah, anyway, so I hear you. I think Hella will be not not one I'm dreading. I really enjoyed when I played through her. I think personally Thanos is the one I'm 
Well, maybe it's a mix. Maybe Thanos or maybe Loki. Thanos. Thanos okay. has some things that make you know he has some cards that show up that are just like this attack has piercing and overkill and yes car- cards that can turn what's going in the game turn a safe board state into a loss immediately or a somewhat safe board yes. state is not a thing i'm looking forward to so the flip side is my experience has been in the league that i because i make the time to really get familiar with the scenario i know what to expect and i know where not to overextend myself and those other pieces so i'll be less surprised by those things when then i'm just playing through it for fun right definitely uh i mean seems like between your two answers are you sure it's not it's not infinity gauntlet that you're fearing yeah well so (laughs) well let's talk let's talk modular sets because i personally love the infinity gauntlet actually because it's cool it's you know, it's a plus half step in difficulty. It's a way to just take any scenario and increase the difficulty without making it feel unfair. It might be annoying, but not unfair. Um, and I, I'm really hoping that this is a thing that they actually continue to explore in their design space is these modulars that aren't just, you know, if you draw the card, then it's, you know, um, Doomsday Chair is a really good example. If you draw those cards, it's going to make your life hell. If you don't, it doesn't matter as much but these ones that live on top of the scenario and just increase the difficulty in a way that's kind of predictable that i want to see more of those yeah i can see that being something that'd be really valuable through the community well and i mean this is a thing that in the design of some of the scheme league rounds that banana crapshoot has done has been really fun to see how to kind of weave some of these pieces together to make the difficulty not absurd but just a little higher than, you know, Ultron with the Infinity Gauntlet versus Ultron without the Infinity Gauntlet. You know. but, <laughs> yeah, definitely. Right? I, I, I've enjoyed that. Yeah, I, I mean, the idea of using the Infinity Gauntlet on, on non-Thanos uh, and Loki um, villains is definitely something I always think about whenever I'm trying this stuff out. Because I mean, that one of the goals of the League is to try every conceivable combination. That's not possible within like the history of time at the rate that they are releasing things and the rate that seasons run. But when I see things like like um, the Infinity Gauntlet, I think like, well, what if Red Skull had an Infinity Gauntlet at the same time? Yeah. What does that mean for the game? And uh, that excites me. Well, I, I mean, honestly, I'm most interested in seeing Infinity Gauntlet on the first villain in a box. If I'm if I'm being okay. very honest, because broadly speaking, the first villains in the boxes tend to be kind of the most well-rounded introductory scenarios. They don't tend to be absurdly hard, but they're the challenge level they offer again is kind of pretty predictable. And so okay. this is this is a really nice way to just add a difficulty layer onto these things that they tend to have a decent amount of side schemes and minions and kind of a constant pressure on you and all these other things. And yeah, yeah. I think I think you could just add to that a little bit with with Infinity Gauntlet. So I'm I'm excited to on my own time or in some of the other places I play get some chances to see Infinity Gauntlet on some of those villain ones in the box. But any of the boxes, I think it's across the board. Almost all the villain ones have a similar. I mean, they're all quite different in other ways too, but they kind of have that. You know, they're supposed to be the easiest villain to understand. Right. Yeah, they're most approachable ones for sure. Right, so they're kind of the most vanilla, almost by definition, because of it. Yeah, I mean that's why the rhino punching bag exists, right? Everyone knows it. <laughs> <laughs> well, rhino is interesting because in hindsight, you know, he has that that threat threshold that's not very high. He 
you lose that first one and it's it's over and so there there's some things that kind of make him not like the first one compared to some of the others that's true like uh, an expert rhino round is a, quite a jump from a standard one too well and you got you got to give him some goblin gadgets right yeah of course <laughs> um so i don't know maybe if there's anything from the campaign elements that stand out to you as things that you're kind of excited to actually bring in or haven't really thought about those too much yet i mean i put a lot of thought into it and um it's like i actually had the conversation within the supporter chat recently like having saved the shawarma place or stuff like that like yeah. how do we want to introduce that within around and that's kind of what i was talking about earlier where we're going to have both positives and negatives going in like we're going to have these extra threats that go out they get a reward for defeating them and it's all going to be about where it takes place in the campaign and like how do we balance these things um i think something like shawarma is cool but i think cosmo is even better like a, they got a three hp uh ally with two thwart and two attack that's definitely something that, that you get just by thwarting instead of paying for them that's extremely useful and i think that's a be a, a fun thing for people to play with and build around yeah well and it's a thing that can make it you know it can shore up some weaknesses for for different heroes or different aspects and things like that so i i, I definitely like that and, you know there's always the danger of when you doing things that shore up weaknesses it just kind of makes all the experiences the same but I, right. I don't think i don't think cosmo necessarily does that but you know it's kind of one of those dangers of shoring up weaknesses right because you you know in i i've played magic and hearthstone and other games and they they often start having the things that are meant to be quite distinct start bleeding into each other and then you're like well now these things aren't even different anymore right yeah you're not wrong <laughs> and and marvel champions has tried to do do some of these things in different ways right so in protection you get to heal or do some other things but it's only through the act of doing kind of some more protectiony thing yeah that's been part of the design philosophy there's not just a straight up in general there's not just a straight up attack in in protection uh, it comes with some other things that look a little bit more like protection i mean i do love those protection attacks though even if they are defenses really <laughs> like like i'm always happy when i have preemptive strike in my hand at the right time just if i can uh tout on about protection a little bit <laughs> yeah exactly um okay cool yeah i think i think it'll be fun i think the these additional side schemes which we haven't seen any of the ones from um galaxy's most wanted either so there's some other places those can start showing up too right so you're saying yes we might seem see some handicaps and some benefits showing up within the same round that should be fun i personally am a person who likes having a board state that's a little bit overwhelming and having to figure out how to get it under control before actually moving on to to finish off the scenario so that that should be great fun because you're you know that's what those things are doing for the most part yeah, I mean, that's the goal, right? It's just trying to find new ways to use these cards that, for most people, sit in the box, right? If you're going to play the campaign once or twice and then you don't go back to it, these kind of go on you. So it's just a fun way of approaching them. And like you said, making the challenges either a little bit harder, a little bit more difficult, or somewhere in between, depending on how they're used. Yeah, well, I mean, the taking the dreaded scenario and making it so that everybody can actually go in and have a realistic chance of Absolutely. you know, feeling like, well, I could probably get two out of three wins, actually, that you know, that feels awesome. Yeah, that's a rewarding experience for everyone, too. Yeah, I had great fun. I was very disappointed in losing against Ronan, but, you know, well, well <laughs> I, I, I took my medicine. But I liked going in and feeling like every given game was maybe a coin flip in my favor, but there was a pretty decent chance I was going to lose one of those coin flips. 
Yeah, I mean that that's that, that's gonna happen. I mean, I had the I won three games in a row, but two of them were my last two practice games, so <laughs> it didn't always go in my favor. Yeah, yeah. Okay, um, I think that's everything I have. So I don't know if there anything else you want to share with the community before we we say our shoutouts. I mean, I just want to say thank you. Uh, there's so many of you out there that are just such active members of the community that it makes it worth it for everyone, be them new or old, uh, returning or first timers. It's just, it's a lot. And it's really, it started as just an experiment for myself to fill some time during quarantine. And it became this big part of my life that I'm, I'm really proud of. And I thank all of you for making that just such a big part of my life. As a community member, I really want to thank you for putting in all this time and effort and care and, even just taking some of the feedback in stride like you do, which is honestly a really hard hard thing to do, and keep on saying, well, you know, I'm just trying to build and I'm trying to make it better and I'm, I'm trying to keep it positive. I, it comes through and I, I really appreciate that. Well, thank you. I'm glad, I'm glad that's recognized. That's, that's really nice to hear. Thank you. So thank you, Innsmouth Bear, for, for joining us on Road to Nowhere. Hopefully David is feeling better soon. And thanks, audience for listening in and joining us on the road to nowhere.